Hello, hello. My name is Muna Traore. And my name is Keisha Chung. And welcome to CC Creative Conversations, the podcast. Where we chat with different BIPOC creatives and community leaders we love and admire. Hello, everybody. Um, happy May. Happy Taurus season. Woohoo. Woohoo. Go May. It's May. It's May. And it's your spring. birthday month. It's my birthday month. Yay me. I love birthdays. Luna doesn't like birthdays. I mean, I don't not like birthdays, but I mean, we've been in this bitch. Like, we all know what it's about. I don't know what we're out here still gassing ourselves up for. We all made it. Um, okay, well, that's a perfect way to segue into what I want to say. Um, let's celebrate Muna for a second. I just want to take a moment because my friend booked a new show and I'm so proud of her and I'm going to do a little (laughs) clap. This is me clapping. Yes. That's the types of things that we celebrate on birthdays too, Muna. Okay. Those types of accomplishments, girl. Yeah. Thanks. So congratulations. You got a bigger heart than me. Thank you. So happy for you. So proud of you. And y'all are just going to see her shining on TV. Oh, so proud. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know, but it has been announced that I will be one of the leading actors on a new show called The Porter with CBC and BET. So that is taking up a lot of my time and energy, but I'm still going to be with you guys. And um, I have actually like yet to formally celebrate it. I'm not someone who does that. Like, I I think maybe because it's my childhood trauma or whatever. But, you know, a lot of the big events in my life is just sort of like, yeah, just an anecdote. I'm doing this thing now. I want you to, if you were in Toronto, we would be doing something. I'm sorry. We would have be, we'd be out with Anna getting some dinner and treating you because I'm so happy for you and I'm so proud of you. Ah. Um, Well, what a lovely way to start off this episode by giving our friends the things they deserve. Um, Thank you. And and it's your birthday month, and I know you like a month-long birthday celebration, so let's give it up for Keisha being born. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Your mom did that. Yay, thanks, mom. Thanks for birthing me. Um, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be weird, though. Like, I, I actually am not really planning much for my birthday this year. I've kind of just been like, ugh, like, we're still here in this freaking panorama of life, and um, I'm over it. But I mean, it would be weird if you did plan something. I would have to maybe distance myself from you as a friend if you were, but like, you know. Even with, like, my mom and, like, my family, I'm still, like, kind of, like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Something's going to happen. My mom always does stuff for me. She's, like, she's the reason I like birthdays so much, if we're being honest. Aww. Like, she, last year for my birthday, when I went to her house, she had pictures of me, like, pasted all on the door and balloons and streamers everywhere. And she had, like, a big birthday thing for me. She made me dinner. There was flowers. There was all these things. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. mommy, thanks. It's so nice, so. That's so sweet. Yeah, that's cute. But um, moving on, how are you doing? Let's check in. How's life? I'm doing pretty well. I have been seeing a therapist who is incredible. She just like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I've told you guys this, but Last year, I was in California, and I had made a list of, like, therapists within the L.A. area that I wanted to seek out. And this woman was at the top of my list, but I didn't pursue it because of COVID, and I wanted to wait it out so I could go in person, whatever, whatever. 
And now a year later, I'm back in California and I was like, fuck it. Let's just try Zoom sessions with this woman. Mm-hmm. And they have been riveting. She is so good, so kind, so supportive, very black. It's just <laughs> everything I need. Um, I've also made a point since January 1st of like praying and meditating every day. And it's really like filling my cup. Like I feel for almost the first time ever that I have like an internal foundation and support that I, that I don't think I've ever had before. Like I've actually, I can see the difference in like waking up every morning and like setting a tone for the day. Oh, that's beautiful. I love all of that. That's great. I do remember you telling me about the therapist. Um, yeah, like before you were mentoring it to me that you really wanted to see her. So I'm happy that that's come to fruition for you. It's weird doing therapy over Zoom, eh? It is. Yeah. And also sometimes I do it in the garden so I can get some space for my partner. And it's weird <laughs> having neighbors walk by while I'm, <laughs> I'm doing therapy. <laughs> but I also don't really care. So yeah. it's fine. That's good, though. I'm happy that you're you you have all those things. And it, it's funny you mentioned um, like meditation and prayer because I was doing that at the beginning of the year and then I kind of stopped. And I've noticed that I get the beginning of my days are a bit different now. Like and I was saying to myself yesterday, I was like on my phone, even this morning, I was on my phone pretty early and I went on Instagram and then I like a half an hour passed. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, Why am I doing this? I used to take this time to like meditate and like pray and now I'm just on my phone it's it's such an important um element to having you know a balanced mental state so I'm happy and it takes discipline and and I think also like you have to know what it means for you like I had such a bad year last year Mm -hmm. that for me like I have to do this like I don't really have a choice Mm -hmm. if I'm gonna make it out of 2021 alive yeah. 2021 I mean she could still be a raggedy bitch we don't know we don't know her could be yeah. is what are you yeah. saying is Goodness, <laughs> okay, okay. dusty I hate it here okay except for I you I like you but. so Keisha how are you doing what's going on with you oh I am I don't know girl I'm like good some days not great other days it's been weird one thing that has been really fantastic I think I've told you about this I started this 30-day workout challenge with my stepdad Mm -hmm. and um to anybody that's looking to start exercising again I highly recommend it it's very fun it's relatively easy it's again the discipline um that makes it challenging but essentially what we have to do is every day for 30 days no days off you have to do a minimum of 20 minutes of exercise. And that can look like yoga, it could be stretching, it could be running, it could be anything. So I'm on day 24 now. Um, by the time this comes out, I would have completed it. So it's been great. Like I've been able to get back in tune with my body. I feel better. And I noticed something about exercise that shifted for me is like the mental component. I kind of forgot how important that is to exercising where before it used to be like, oh, am I going to work out today? But now it's like, what am I going to do today? What part of my body mm. am I going to engage with today? You know, I see it more as something that's just a part of my lifestyle rather than something I have to fit into my day, you know? Um, so it's been really good. And like, I'm, I'm getting stronger, feel better in that way. Um, so that's you look been- great. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Um, so yeah, that's been good. That's been kind of helping me to stay afloat. Um, but it's been, there's just a lot going on right now. And like, 
it's just become really heavy, you know, engaging yeah. with things has been heavy. And it's like, if one, one thing happens, another thing happens, another thing happens, and there's no, there's no end in sight, it feels like sometimes. So that's mm-hmm. been a bit challenging to manage in terms of my mental health and just like feeling a bit more stable and looking forward to things. And you know what I mean? And I'm sure the lockdown in Ontario doesn't help. Oh my God. Girl, like it is so, it's just, it's, it is what it is. Like we can't even do anything about it at this point, but it's just making me like one of the things that's been happening is I'm like, okay, I'll plan something for a month from now to see my friends. Let's do like a little thing in a month. Hopefully things will be loosened. We can go to the park, you know, and then that time comes that can't happen. And then it's snowing. Literally it was snowing today. It's April. It's April. It was snowing. It snowed yesterday. Like, I don't even know. It's an apocalypse. But yeah, that's that's how I'm doing. (laughs) But general, okay. I will say this. So this, so that this segment ends on a happier note. There are a lot of great things going on as well. Like professionally, I've had a lot of amazing developments um, with my career. I'm starting a new job in June, which I'm really excited about. Hey, yeah, like we've yeah, been doing booked and busy. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of stuff with collective culture. We have an event coming up that we'll tell you guys more about at the end of the episode. Um, you know, doing this podcast. Like, there's a lot of really good things that have been happening in my life. Um, so it's like kind of weird because, like I said, it's like when you asked me originally, it's like some days are good, some days are bad. You know, so I'm just trying to take it day by day. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I want to know what's feeding you. So many things are feeding me right now. Um, well, the number one thing feeding me right now, I guess, is nature. Mm. I think because I know I'm coming back to Ontario and it's way more locked down than it is here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I'm really taking every day to like go for a walk or go for a run. Um, There's the Hollywood Lake Reservoir not far from me. And if you go early in the day or before sunset, you see deer and bunnies and like all kinds of beautiful animals and it's just magical. And so I'm, I'm taking time to really absorb it because I know I'm not going to have that for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, what's also feeding me is doing research for this new role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I've never done before. It's a period of time that I have very little knowledge about. So I've just been diving in, listening to podcasts and watching videos and reading articles online and just learning about the black community in Canada and in Montreal mm-hmm. in the 1920s. Yeah, that's really cool. Is there any fun, exciting facts that you can share? Something that really blew your mind? Um, girl, you know my brain don't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, like... It's so memory recall is really hard for me. Like I I write everything down. And as I explained in that, um, never apart article where I wrote, I think I broke, broke my brain. Yeah. Like I can read something and totally be in it and understand it. And 10 minutes later be like, what did I read? Yeah. Like, like it's gone. Yeah. And so, um, like I have books that are earmarked and have notes and whatever, but I, I don't know what kind of facts you want. <laughs> and I, I don't know how accurate I'm going to be if I'm not like reading off of a page. That's okay. That's okay. Just so you know, sometimes people have some things like, oh my God, this thing, but it's fine. Don't worry. Honestly, even with uh, the memory recall stuff, I've noticed that with me, like with COVID, particularly the past two months, 
I'll start doing something and literally midway through forget what I am like why I'm doing it or I'll be doing one thing and then I'll get distracted I'll start doing another thing and then I'll like turn around and see the other thing I was like done halfway and be like what is like where why is this like this like my stepdad even said to me he's like I've stopped calling you out on it because I realize it's just your brain is not like it's scattered right now because of all the stuff mm-hmm. that's going on, you know? So I feel you. And I also like have, I talked time. to my therapist this week about, you know, memory loss and trauma and stress mm-hmm. and like COVID itself is enough to be, yeah, you know, scrambling our brains and the lack of social engagement and the lack of like, for some people, physical activity, being confined to a space, all of that like affects our brain process. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that for black people watching, um, she called it vicarious trauma. Mm-hmm. So like watching people of color be murdered by police, watching our trauma play out in media, engaging in these conversations, all of that. Like, yeah. I don't know how so many of us are still showing up every day yeah. and taking care of business because like, it's a lot. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's especially like this past few weeks, like it's just been heavy, like, yeah, and it and doesn't that stop. Young baby girl who was just murdered I by can't. police. Like, like I, every single day, it's something. Yeah, yeah, it's and then it's weird because I, I was even speaking with my friends about this in our, in a group chat, and we were saying how like we just don't have the energy right now. Like it's just not there. And then there's this weird, at least for me, there's been this weird guilt associated with that, where you know I'm not, I don't have the emotional capacity to engage with things in the same ways I used to, and it's making me feel like. I'm not doing enough or I'm not saying enough. Like, and then you see people on social media doing all this stuff, saying all these things. And, and you're like, Oh, should I be part of this conversation? But I just, I don't have that right now. You know, it's, you it's have like, to protect your peace and you have to prioritize yeah. your joy, yeah. especially as a black person. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Like we are entitled to that. And so you're not any less devoted to a cause or any less engaged by managing your own, emotions and your response to it yeah it's so true it's so true and like all the people that you know are you know speaking on these issues and doing the work like thank you we commend you we see you and Mm -hmm. like I I really just want all black people and people of color to keep taking care of themselves because we need it right now you know check in on your friends you know talk to your family and and be around people you love right now as much as you can because we need that it's needed right now you know you don't owe anybody your suffering. Yeah. Oof. Big facts. I like that. I like that. Very true. So Keisha, how are you doing? What's um what's feeding you? What's feeding me? Um, so I think I spoke about this last month. I started getting into anime and Oh yeah. Oh my god, I'm having a freaking blast over here. Like it is okay, so much fun. I love it. Um, I started watching My Hero Academia and I finished the show and I'm currently rewatching it and on season two. Like, I am obsessed with it. I love the characters. I love the, like, superhero aspect of it. It's just been so fun. The writing, like, I love it. I'm just, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and it's great to, like, be taking in a different type of storytelling that I've never really been exposed to. Um, and also just the messages in the show. like just you know especially while doing this um workout challenge where a lot of it is like 
really pushing like well for me it's pushing myself to do it every day and to like remember there's an end goal in sight which is my health and whatnot and this show is a lot a lot of the characters are very competitive and a lot of the energy that they have I've been like channeling it and being like yes like I can do it too if like Deku can be a hero I can work out every day like I love it it's so great it's really it's really making me happy like I'm so happy so um that's honestly mostly what I've been watching is just anime and i love that yeah i haven't really been reading i'm obviously listening to the read um oh every week every week my highlight (laughs) before before we got on this on uh to record i was actually listening to it while i was eating lunch um but yeah i'm not really i'm not really watching anything else um or reading anything else and i want to get on to some books and stuff so did you watch that netflix movie bad trip no like you know i'm really eric andre like I'm kind of afraid sometimes with him because I know there's some things he does that are really funny, but then there are other times where like it goes a little far for me. I'm like, this is just dumb, you know. But <laughs> I did see a clip on on Instagram of uh, the Tiffany Haddish prank that they played on the guy, like with him with her under a bus, and she's pretending to be like, a, oh my god, dying. I watched it. I was like, oh my god, this is so funny. So I might watch all, it. <laughs> Have you all watched I'll it? Say is that. We watched it the other night, Mm -hmm. just sort of like, like, I was like, let's put it on and we we can turn it off if we don't like it. Mm -hmm. And I haven't laughed like that in so friggin' long. Like, from start to finish, I was like, like, pausing the movie over and over again (laughs) just to scream because it was just outrageous. It was so friggin' funny. Okay, I'm gonna watch it. I want to watch it. It, like, lifted my spirit. Yeah? It was like, oh, And, like, black people. Just, uh, love them. <laughs> love yeah. them. Okay, I'm going to watch mm-hmm. it. My my boyfriend was like, Keisha, do you want to watch it? And our sense of humor is really different. Like, he likes, he likes, like, the trailer park boys and, like, really, like, humor that I just I can't. love, I love really stupid comedy. Okay. And it's, like, <laughs> it's, it can, it's, it's stupid. Like, it is just so stupid stupid and funny like I love toilet humor I love butt stuff I love all of it and there's just more than enough in it but it's it's so good because you have these actors who are it's like a movie with a real storyline but everyone else isn't an actor it's just <laughs> these three actors acting it out it's, it's just brilliant I freaking loved it okay cool I'm gonna watch it and then I'll tell you how I feel about it because I'm I, I definitely am in, I'm, I want to watch a good comedy or something. I want to make something make me laugh. I've been feeling very emotional watching all this anime and rooting for Oh my characters. gosh, go go watch this. It'll be okay. a good little, <laughs> yeah. you'll probably put on a diaper because you might pooter yourself. It's really Ew, gross, gross. You know what I did watch last night, actually? Have you heard of the movie Onward? The Disney movie? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that last night and it was, it's kind of weird. Like they have a half of a dad for a whole movie. It's so weird, but I like. What do you it. mean a half of a dad? The dad's like cut in half. <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen it? No. Oh, you. I thought you said okay. So when you said yeah, no, you I've heard, heard of it, it, but I haven't seen it. Oh, okay, so like, Girl, I don't be watching like Pixar movies like that. Really? I don't have a kid. Oh, I love them. They make I've me never so seen happy. Frozen. You've never seen Frozen? No. Oh, it's really cute. I get why people. I get why little kids like it so much. Like if I was that age, I would have been obsessed with Frozen too. Have you seen? I just- the Incredibles? I've seen the first one. Have you seen the second one? No. Okay. 
You need to watch the second one. It's really I've good. seen I've seen The Incredibles and we just watched Up and my boyfriend, okay, I mean he's not here, but he cried. I can't watch it. That movie's it's so sad. Like I blocked it out. I couldn't tell you what happens because all I know is I was bawling when I watched it, so I've just really blocked out the movie because it makes me very sad. So I thought totally the little it. kid was so cute. He was it? so cute. <laughs> he was so cute. He's yeah, adorable. that movie. I I Christopher Plummer is like the villain. It's, it's it was great. I was like, wow, I never heard Christopher Plummer sound like this. Have you seen Finding Nemo? Oh yeah, I saw that. Okay. I saw that in theaters the day that there was a power outage in Toronto. The blackout, you know, the big blackout that like that was across the eastern ago? seaboard. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, I'm that old. I am that old. Okay, that's not what I was thinking. I just didn't realize <laughs> that those two things were so closely linked. Like that Finding Nemo came out when that happened. In my head, yeah. I'm like really young when that happened, but I guess I wasn't as. Young. Anyways, Finding Nemo, you saw it in theaters when there was a blackout, and you yeah, liked and it. And I remember having to walk. I was taking the subway back to Saint Clair Station, mm-hmm. and then the blackout happened, and we had to walk through the tunnels out. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Did you see any rats? Uh, I was the rat. <laughs> <laughs> I was the rat who made it out of the tunnel. The rat. Okay, on rat, have you seen Ratatouille? Girl, no. Okay, Luna, like, I'm sorry. It's not cool to not see Disney Pixar movies. Like, you need to watch I them. I know, and I have a Disney Plus account. Yeah, you need to watch them. Like, I expect the next time we speak for you to have at least... Ratatouille's actually good. It's kind of gross. Like, Ratatouille? Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Okay, Ratatouille. I'm gonna see Ratatouille. I'm gonna see Real quick. No, but seriously, you gotta watch it. Okay, okay. Uh, that's that's on your. Oh, you know which one I do love? What? Coco. Coco's so Coco. good. I, I love that. I've movie. seen Coco multiple times. I've probably seen it three times. I love maybe that four. Movie. I love Coco. Coco's really good. The music in Coco is really good too. Oh my it's god! So cute. And it's so beautiful. Like I love the colors. I love everything. But it's apparently, there's so like good. some problematic things around it, like around how they source some of the information and stuff. Oh lord! Uh, not surprised. Yeah. Not surprised. Not surprised. Anyways, um, yeah. Well, I feel like that's a a good way for us to end off this part of the episode and i'm so excited for our guest yeah me too so excited for our guest do you want to intro pretty sure he was my suggestion he was your suggestions um we have an amazing guest he is the definition of a multi-hyphenate polymath his name is sammy rawal and um he's going to be coming up after this short interlude Hey guys, so we're back with our incredible guest, Sammy Rowell. Sammy is a director and digital artist of Indo, Afro, and Canadian heritage. He's known for his signature quick fire style and his 3D inspired video portraits, complex video loops, and installations featuring bold color choreography and innovation with digital techniques. Sammy is also a DJ, which is how I met him, and he is a key figure in the queer Toronto nightlife scene. He is the co-founder and resident DJ in one of Canada's largest inclusive dance hall and hip-hop parties, Yes, Yes, Y'all, and we are just so excited to be sitting down with him today. Yay! Welcome, Sammy. Thank you for coming onto the show. Thanks for having me. Virtual clapping. So stoked for this. Yeah. So how have you been? Um, and how have you been, in, and where are you right now in the world? Um, I've been good. I mean, you know, sort of taking it all in stride this past year as 
everyone else has been. Geographically, I'm in Toronto right now, um, stranded (laughs) in the cesspool of a city right now, but just kind of making the most of this past year. I, uh, I always tell people that I feel a bit guilty because I know like the past year has been a big struggle for a lot of people, but I've sort of been secretly living my introverted fantasy, just like being by myself and getting work done. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, so it's... interesting. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Mona. Go. I was going to say, it's so interesting to, to me that like in interviews, you refer to yourself as an introvert because your work, uh, whether it's like your music videos or your work as a DJ, like it feels so extroverted. And so I'm super curious how you reconcile that with everything that you do, because you also do so many things and they all seem to be so outward facing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it is a bit of a contradiction, I guess. Um, I, would, I would consider myself a textbook introvert, um, but that being said, I think I'm, I'm able to sort of um, pretend um, and tap into that bit of extroverted energy, I guess. Um, I don't know. I find that like with a lot of my work, specifically like the, the video and, and art stuff, I can sort of, um, I don't know, I, I feel like I can sort of hide behind it. Whereas mm-hmm. the DJing stuff, I've always felt a bit weird about DJing, I guess, and reconciling that sort of um aspect of what i do because of how introverted i am mm-hmm. um i don't know i guess i i read a book actually what, what really changed my life a few years ago was um i saw a ted talks um by this really amazing author her name's susan kane and she wrote a book called quiet the power of introverts and um so i watched her ted talks and i picked up her book and read it and it was sort of the first time that i got a sense of like real understanding about why I am the way I am and like why I do things and and it kind of made me feel not guilty about feeling certain ways like um this notion of like not wanting to go out at night um and (laughs) in a full like packed bar and stuff I used to feel super guilty about that and yeah I was gonna ask like did you ever have nights where you're like oh fuck this like I don't really feel like DJing I just want to be at home with like (laughs) 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 but you started it you created it I know what you're talking about it's one of those I think I think it's it I mean, yes, yes, y'all started with, you know, from literally from, um, I started it with, with four friends and it was, it literally stemmed from our love of, of music yeah. and we didn't realize it was sort of going to snowball into what it's become. And I will say that I, I, you know, I, I, I'm by no means like, um, a hermit crab that like doesn't go out and stuff. I, I do like, um, you know, engaging socially, but, um, I find I'm at my best when it's sort of in small groups um mm-hmm. and not in like really big loud places um yeah. and so i think with my art what's cool about that for me is that i can it kind of works well with my introversion i guess where i can sort of immerse myself in my own world in my own head um and and work through things at my own pace mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean this past year i haven't been djing and i will say that almost all my social anxiety has like magically disappeared. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't know what that says about me, but I, I mean, I, I do miss, I, I am looking forward to like that, that first party back where everyone's together sharing a space together. Mm-hmm. But um, 
my energy tends to sort of drain a lot in, in those sort of environments. So for me, like alone time, sort of my, my recharge. I think that's, sort of. that's something that people get um, a bit confused about with like introvert, extrovert. People think that it's just, if you're introverted, you just aren't social or that you're extroverted. You love to be around people. It's, it's actually describing the way people get energy. So people who are introverted totally. tend to recharge when they're alone. And then people were extroverted, recharged from energy around other people. So it really makes sense what you're saying, but people often misconstrue what, what it actually means to be introverted or extroverted. So it makes complete yeah. sense what you're saying, you know? And I think a lot of people also um, sort of think of introversion being synonymous with being shy. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a shy person, but I am totally happy to sort of like sit back and, and just observe. I love people watching. I love listening. Mm-hmm. Um and I think people mistake that when they first meet me as being shy or a bit aloof or even like a bit cold, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, just me being my weird introvert self, <laughs> let me live. <laughs> I um, love that. I'm this yeah. direction. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, um, you know, I know that you are in Toronto now, so I, I'd love to hear more about like where you grew up and like the neighborhood and. Um, mm-hmm. Moon and I are very interested to hear about how your upbringing influenced your work. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised in Vancouver, actually. So I'm, I'm a West Coast guy. Um, but my parents actually, I'm of Indian descent, but um, through sort of migration and um, all that stuff, my mom's family actually um, immigrated to Nairobi in, in Kenya. Um, I think it was my mom's great great grandfather that immigrated um, to Nairobi, and so her, my mom was born and raised in Nairobi, and my dad was born and born in India, but his family moved to Nairobi uh, when he was like two months old, mm-hmm. um, and so I sort of come from like a very like diasporic sort of background, I guess. And I guess another interesting thing about my background is that my dad is Hindu and my mom is Muslim. And so back then, I think, you know, culturally, that union was pretty, a pretty um, controversial one, I guess. And so they basically, it was sort of this like Romeo and Juliet kind of story where they ran away to Vancouver to sort of be together. Um, wow. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty romantic. I mean, my mom, my mom actually moved to Vancouver by herself um, without my dad and then just kind of worked her ass off for two years. And then my dad came over. And so, yeah, I was born in Vancouver. We grew up in an area, like a a suburb of Vancouver called the North Shore, which is sort of like, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Vancouver, but it's sort of like towards Whistler, if you're going towards Whistler. It's it's this very kind of like rustic, beautiful um, area on the side of a mountain with like the ocean, you know, a 10 minute walk away. But I never really felt, I can appreciate it for its beauty and like for what it was and how great of a place it was to, to be raised. But I knew early on um, that, you know, I wanted to be in sort of a, a bigger city with more going on. And yeah. And so, so I, I moved away from Vancouver at 18 um, to come to Toronto for school and um, just ended up keeping it as my home base for the past so does toronto feel like home to you i would if someone asked me where's home i would without a doubt say toronto 
I've actually now, I've now been here for, fuck, like, 18 years? No, 19 years. Um, so I've been here longer than Vancouver. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I would, I would definitely say. How old are you? 19 years? I'm, you look 20. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, I'm 38. I just turned 38, oh. which is so wild. Happy um, belated. Thank you. Yeah, happy birthday. Um, yeah, so so I I love Toronto. I think um, I was really able to sort of find my crew of people here, and it, it's sort of that chosen family, you know, where it's mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm very tight with my family, my like my my actual family, um, but yeah, my chosen family, and like this notion of like having to move away from Toronto, I don't I don't know, mm-hmm. just not really into it right now. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you on that one. Um, so how would you say your, you know, your parents, their beautiful romantic story and their, their culture, not only as being Indo-Africans, but then Indo-African migrants in Canada, how did that sort of or how has that influenced you and your work now? Because, um, you know, as we can see in your music videos and in your video loops, like there's so much color, it's so vibrant. Um, there's so much personality. And I'm wondering like, where did you get all of this from? Did you see it growing up? Did you watch certain kinds of movies growing up? Uh, and, and has that translated into your, your film work? Yeah, I mean, looking back when I was really young, um, you know the 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 stuff around the house and and, and the art I was sort of um, introduced to was this sort of cultural mashup between Indian stuff, African stuff, and obviously Canadian stuff. And so, um, I think that's where a lot of um, my work lives is that that sort of like intersectionality of, of different cultures, I guess. Um, you know, I remember being a kid and um, on the weekends listening to in the house, listening to everything from, you know, um, traditional Indian music to African rock to the Beatles um, and then watching stuff like Bollywood movies and, um, you know, looking at, at old photos my dad my dad's also an artist so he he was sort of you know really into photography and stuff and so seeing sort of all his photos from Kenya and then obviously on top of that you know this whole much music culture in Canada um, yeah I was you know. I was listening to your interview with Jordan and you were talking about the wedge yo the wedge <laughs> I was like uh, I remember being a kid and being like what is this yeah that's why and that's why I loved it because it was it was very that you know like very um I was more I don't know, I don't know if it's at all yeah Rhapsody too for sure yeah. like that whole it's a shame now when I look at sort of much music right now um just I, don't I know how it. I don't even, I know I, I I'm like what I, is what is much music now it, you know yeah who does that but <laughs> I think um for me, it was such a pivotal thing for my, my upbringing. You know, it really introduced me to, um, obviously music and the art of video making, but the wedge, especially sort of 
I don't I don't know if it's all 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 your listeners know what the wedge is, but like the wedge was this sort of one hour of programming on much music back in the nineties. It was late night programming that catered to sort of more indie underground conceptual art based music videos that you wouldn't see um, during regular programming. And so it was sort of this crash course in what was happening around the world outside of my little West Vancouver bubble that I grew up in. And, 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 and that and the new music hour, do you remember the new music hour at all? No. It was sort of this like ver- like no. a news show on much music where it was more about sort of where music, fashion and art sort of met. And so mm-hmm. they would interview people like fashion designers. They would interview music video directors. And I remember watching a music video or an interview with a music video director who at the time was making all my favorite music videos like Marilyn Manson, David Bowie, Bjork. Um, and she was, she was Canadian and from Toronto. And I remember that being sort of the seed in my brain where I was like, oh, fuck, I want to become a music video director. <laughs> yeah, so much music was super fucking important. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's definitely, um, for me, I feel like I was a bit of a generation like after you. So for me, that that kind of vibe, though, more like, do you guys remember like the Planet, the Planet Pops mix CDs and stuff like that that they used to have? Yeah. Like all that. Oh, all the Now mixes? Yeah, the Now mixes. Much Music had one, too. They had like the Much Music D- oh, CD. Do you remember Big Shiny Tunes? Yes, yes. Big Shiny Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big Shiny Tunes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like that type of stuff was like really, like really influential to me, too, because it like even thinking about the way we used to ingest music was so different. You know what I mean? And like how specific the content that we got was because of the way that we ingested. We didn't have this thing where you could just listen to whatever you want, whenever you wanted, you know? Yeah. I would sit and like watch the entire rotation of music videos because eventually they'd repeat themselves yeah. and then <laughs> like hoping to catch the one that I did like, you know? Yeah. I would fully, um, you know, how people would make like mixtapes like off the radio. <laughs> I would fully make video mixtapes and just record videos off much music. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would also I also say that like it's interesting that like us being Canadian, we get all these reference points because obviously it makes sense to me now where it's like obviously Americans wouldn't understand these reference points, but I think it kind of speaks to the the power of like con can or can con or whatever the fuck it's called, where it's like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that they made a point of like like inundating us with Canadian content to the point where like I know every song by the Moffats. Who right? are they? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah, and if you go to the states, you'd be like, "Who the fuck are the Moffats?" But like everyone here. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool to watch how that's um, how it's transitioning now. Where like we're in an era where people are looking at Canada and Toronto specifically for content creators, you know, and you're definitely yeah. a part of of that group of people that's getting. Um, the opportunities to do these much bigger things that just these things weren't available to generations before us. People didn't even really care what was going on here. Everything was like American and then all the Canadian stuff we got as Canadians, but they don't even know about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a very, it's an interesting time and it's, it's makes so much sense that that type of content that you were talking about in the nineties had such a big impact on your work. You can see it, you know, you can really it see is, it in all the yeah. things that you, that you do. Um, so speaking about, speaking about like collaboration and, and, you know, your art and things like that, what have been some really, um, mind blowing collaborations you've done or what have been some of your favorite 
types of collaborations you've done over throughout your career? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I've been lucky enough to obviously collaborate with a lot of people, but I guess like, I guess some of the biggest ones for me um, have been collaborations that I'm obviously stoked on as an adult, but I would have been even more stoked on or like it, it just sort of more exaggerated that if I was like 16 year old Sammy would have like bugged the fuck out. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I, I've collaborated with um, Elton John and, you know, people like Armand Van Helden, who mm-hmm. again, like I'd watch The Wedge and see Armand Van Helden videos on The Wedge and like watch Electric Circus and see all these cool Toronto people when I was like 14 years old, wiling out to Armand Van Helden. And, and I don't know, it's just like this sort of full circle thing where they might not be like the biggest, the biggest budget thing, but it's sort of like, um, they've been big in my, in, in, for me, just in, in respects to sort of my upbringing and, and I guess mm-hmm. on a personal level. Um, but yeah, like Elton John, Armand Van Helden, I got to work with Cardi B for her visual for her Coachella visuals a few year, a couple years ago. What was that was like? Wild. It it was um, it was really stressful. I was uh, <laughs> it was it was like one of those like last minute things as, as most of these jobs tend to be, sort of like eleventh hour, get it done really fast. Um, and I was doing a job in Barcelona, a commercial job, and. Her creative director, who's also my friend, Tanisha Scott, who's sort of um, this, like, Toronto choreography icon. I think she lives with my friend Karina and my friend Clark. Karina Evans? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think, I think think they they do live together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in LA. <laughs> yeah. Small world. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a small world. Um, and, yeah, so she hit me up and was like, do you want to, we have these visuals to do for, for Coachella. Do you want to do them? And I was like, fuck yes. And so we did them. Okay. I think I came back and I did them in one day. We filmed in one day and it was also the week before her album dropped and her baby, she hadn't announced her baby yet, her like pregnancy. Mm. And so there was a lot of, uh, (laughs) What were you like trying to hide the bump or were you just trying to like Well, it was just it was just a very stressful thing, obviously for her, but also in respect to all these moving parts mm-hmm. and how it sort of trickled down in the process of getting these visuals together. Um mm-hmm. so it was just it was a fun project, but a very uh intense and last minute one. Um mm-hmm. So that was cool. And then I'm trying to think like, yes. I, I'm really yeah. curious about um, some of the work that you've done in terms of like LGBTQ plus representation and rights, because I know that that's something that you're passionate about. And so have there been any specific projects or campaigns that were particularly meaningful for you? Yeah. I mean, that's for me, that's like one huge um sort of um conceptual aspect i love to incorporate into my work for me it's just like i'm I'm tired of i think as as most of us are of these sort of stories we've all heard before usually from like white men Mm -hmm. lenses you know there there are stories and like the way they kind of see the world and so for me it's so important that um 
you know, I'm able to tell other stories that necessarily haven't been told or aren't as predominant as, as the stories that exist right now. And so for me, um, being queer and, and POC, it's like, it, it, it's, it's such an important thing for me to do. And, you know, I've been lucky enough in the past few years to do campaigns for, um, you know, companies like um, Equinox and like Soul Cycle and, and Lululemon um, that really celebrate um, being queer and being POC. And specifically, a couple of years ago, I did a, a Pride campaign for Equinox where um, it was a celebration of um, trans women of color in the ballroom scene. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, which is yes, really fucking cool, you know, when you kind of put it into context of this very corporate American luxury gym that sort of caters to fucking rich white people. I mean, isn't Equinox the owner one of like he was like one of the biggest trump donors yeah so that was also a thing that came out after we did the campaign Mm -hmm. um i don't know if he's an owner i think he's sort of like a a shareholder Mm -hmm. um but that came out after the campaign and what was cool about what transpired from that was that the creative team um, that i worked with for equinox is actually all queer um, and so they sort of took the step and tried to rectify the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, it was cool because they raised, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for this marginalized community um, that, you know, wouldn't normally have that stage or that audience. Because yeah. um, to me, when I think about, sports and sort of athleticism these women are like yeah goddesses they're (laughs) the the best athletes ever yeah you know like you can't it just it just made so much sense and it was such a a pleasure to to be a part of that um and and even putting it in um you know that culture into that that type of discussing it in that context doesn't get spoken about a lot like the athleticism that goes into just being able to perform at that level you know so that's that's I I honestly hadn't even really thought about it until you said it just now it's it's really true and that that, I love that campaign it's beautiful and um thanks I think it's great that you know even working in those corporate spaces you're a part of the group of people that is being authentic and bringing your identity into your art in that way um and and that kind of brings me to my next question which is do you consider yourself to be an artist that happens to be queer and of color or a queer and of color person who's an artist i think the latter um i think i think it's through my queerness and through me being a person of color that brings out my artistic voice Mm -hmm. um so it's always through that lens that I sort of make my art. And so, yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely go with the latter. It can be difficult sometimes when, when you're an artist, that's pretty much non-white, <laughs> non-white straight male to separate your identity from your work. Because sometimes I feel like a lot of artists get pigeonholed into, into only creating, you know, as a black person, Oh, you have to create something that's black, mm-hmm. but like me yeah. just creating and me being myself, like 
yeah, I'm black and that's going to show, but it doesn't need to be the only kind of work I make, but obviously it's going to permeate through everything I do, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, sort of the, that DNA has to exist in everything or should exist in everything that, that you make. It doesn't have to be so like on the head, but it, it sort of, I don't know, it kind of speaks to the authenticity and, and, um, yeah, you know, going back to this whole pride campaign thing, I've been, I've seen so many pride campaigns in years prior that were literally directed by white straight men. It's like what? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, um. So I think like you know these themes of representation and diversity and inclusion, you know, kind of have to work on on every level of production, not just in sort of what someone's seen in the frame on their tv you know like mm-hmm. that the, i don't yeah, know like, about the equinox thing was that part of the the whole thing about me taking it on was that we the production company and i we really wanted to work with only a queer poc crew um wow. which is a bit of an anomaly like, i've never on, seen that I've it never... doesn't happen right like you know it doesn't happen um and so just even even the making of it and like the energy on set was so magical because it, it literally did feel like it was coming from a place of authenticity right from the top to bottom you know mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm i hope i hope more more opportunities like that come along do you ever struggle with feeling like your queerness or your brownness is being co-opted by clients or is that something you just like dip in the bud and just make a decision like I'm not going to work with you because I know that you're you're not trying to allow me to express myself authentically through this work. I'm always conscious of that. Um, I've never had to deal with that overtly, but I'm always questioning sort of intent, especially with these commercial campaigns. Um, I can see it happening and I'm fully conscious of it, of it happening. But when I kind of go into that headspace, I just try to remind myself that I think, I think my, my work kind of speaks for itself. Um, And so if it came to a point where, you know, a a big corporation um, for a commercial campaign came to me and intuitively I felt that way, I would without a doubt, turn it down. Um, but that hasn't happened to me yet. And I'm sure, I'm sure down the road it, it, it will. I think it's one of those things where I'm just going to have to sort of really trust my intuition. Okay. I think, I think sometimes it's hard to like, even to be able to, you know, predict when those situations can come up because I've even had moments in, in creative processes where you hear someone say one thing and you're like, oh wait, this isn't what I thought. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's a little bit, it can be very challenging to know how to navigate that, um, especially when you know that you're there because of, well, not because of your identity, but you know that in some ways it checks off a box for them, but you're also finding ways to use that platform that you have now. You know, it can be very challenging. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, there's that there's difference between what diversity means and what inclusion means, I find. Like, mm-hmm. diversity for me, when people you know, all these like big corporations are always like diverse casting. But to me, that, that, that 
feels like a statistic like they're trying to check off boxes yeah whereas when something's inclusive it feels like it's coming from the right place and it's more about sort of setting up a structure in which anyone and everyone can sort of bring their magic to the table Mm -hmm. um so that that's always a, a bit of a red flag for me is like this this sort of keyword of, of diversity yeah um you know in theory like yeah like i i love the idea of diversity but i find that sometimes that word the connotation with that is like so what white people use sometimes to yeah. <laughs> to sort of yeah. make it, it feels seem performative like yeah totally performative totally yeah. performative it's like and we want the appearance of having like of having inclusivity yeah but only outwardly not within our organization and not within like the internal infrastructure we just want people to think that this is who we are but really it's just a bunch of white dudes at a table yeah 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 and i think capitalism has really co-opted that word too especially in the art space and in the creative it makes money yeah it makes money you know so it really has tainted what that the potential of what diversity really could look like has been tainted by capitalism i think you know just like everything else just like right? everything else yeah. <laughs> yeah um so sammy what has it been like working through covid you know i've been super fucking lucky um by some fucking i don't know like what goddesses up there have my back but like i've been so lucky this past year um for me i've been able to still stay busy this past year um i've been directing stuff remotely um, over Zoom, which is not ideal, but you know it, it's still it's still work. I've been able to sort of really take the time to. I'm an overthinker, and so I need a lot of time to like with something to to get it to a place that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the nice thing about this past year is that there's been nothing but time um, for me to sort of really conceptualize stuff and and sit with stuff and um you know allow myself to really sort of immerse myself in what I'm doing so yeah I mean I the past year has been super busy for me um but also you know a little bit stressful as as it has for a lot of people because of just the unknown of it all you know the my work tends to sort of from day to day week to week it i don't know what's happening like if you ask me what my week is like next week i don't really know <laughs> so that that element of not knowing is what something i love about my job but given the context and the climate of this whole covid thing it's like it's been a stress for sure mm-hmm. um but I've, I've been also with all this amount of time, like my yoga practice and my, 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 my meditation practice has really gone up. Like it, it's sort of, it's become a huge priority for me. And so, yeah. you know, that, that balance between work and sort of self-care has been, has been great. And see, so sort of seeing the importance of that self-care and how it sort of relates to me and just sort of my, my own mental health mm-hmm. um, has been good. And has that helped sustain your creativity in a new way? I think so. I'd, I'd like to think so. Um, I think for for me, I'm such a, I live in my head a lot. And so, <laughs> um, 
you know, meditation for me has been great to just kind of shut my brain off, even just for like five to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that act of sort of, of allowing myself not to overthink and not over conceptualize has allowed creativity to kind of come to me a little bit more, um, I guess, organically. Um, I don't know how you guys feel, but like, do you guys ever feel like those times where you're not feeling super creative, like our stress levels go up and like, it, it's so hard to sort of, I don't know, creativity is not like one of like a light switch for me basically. Mm. And so it kind of needs to be the right conditions for me to kind of really I'm exactly be. the same. Are you? I like my room has to be totally clean and I have yes. to have all of my things or I don't want to play. Like yeah, if I don't yeah. have my whiteboard or all the different highlighter colors that I need or whatever, then it's, it's like, it can't flow. And then also like my mental emotional space too. It's like, if I'm like, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Yeah. Like if I'm stressed in the world or I have like lots of other things going on, then I get bunged up. But mm-hmm. as soon as I um, feel at peace and like, like right now, I feel like I have such a good um, emotional foundation because I've been praying and meditating every day and exercising. Like my ability to tap into creative energies is so much easier versus, you know, last year, COVID just in, you know, survival mode, trying to figure everything out, like zero creativity, zero, like, like so limited in my thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally feel you. Yeah. I think for me, oh, sorry, go ahead, Sammy. No, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, I was gonna say for me, it's like, I have to be just inspired. Like I get, I, I have ideas all the time. And I think that's what I love about doing multiple creative practices, which I, which I know you do as well. So for me, my creativity, I usually pick the thing like with collective culture, I get to do events. That's a whole different muscle that I get to exercise. And then the other stuff can kind of build. And then when I get that burst, I have to let it out. You know what I mean? So like, it's, I have to, I'm very in tune with that, that when it needs to come out, I need to make sure there's an outlet for it. Otherwise it gets like kind of weird and pent up. And then all these things are running around in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that creative catharsis that you yeah. need to just sort of, yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And it I was just going to say that like, I, I know my mental health um, is so contingent on, on these things that we're talking about. Like yeah. just being like, exercise like yoga meditation just clarity of my mind like it's obviously stuff that seems so like duh like yeah like that all those (laughs) things really matter but like you know on the daily grind I don't know about you guys but like I tend to sort of let that fall by the wayside sometimes and it sort of snowballs and that's when my mind is not good like it just feels so cluttered and like so there's so much static in my brain that, mm. you know, like Muna, to your point, like even just like the act of like physically cleaning your space. So like that in itself, like that, that act for me is such a, a great thing to kind of reduce that static in my brain, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I have, I have a question for you. You do a lot of different creative practices what motivates you as a creative? It's a good question. Um, what motivates me? 
this might sound really cheesy, but <laughs> I honestly think that like coming from an immigrant family, yeah, I sort of have that sort of immigrant work mentality in my brain where I just want to make my parents proud. I want to make my family proud. <laughs> and so I think that's that's really like one of my biggest motivators is wanting to just like show my family that all the sacrifices they made have like amounted to something um mm. but and then you know on, on, on another level just like the the act of self-expression i think like going back to my introversion like i'm not i'm not the type of person that um even with the close friends to like let my heart out on the table and just kind of like be an open book mm-hmm. and so i think with my art it sort of allows me to yeah get get a bit of that self-expression out um that i don't really have any other tools to to express on a daily basis i guess mm-hmm. um so i think i think those two things are, are sort of pretty big driving factors for for me wow i i really resonate with um, what you said about, you know, doing it for your parents. I think for me, I really tap into like ancestral, I can't say ancestral. it, ancestral en- energy. <laughs> I yeah. think about my ancestors a lot and it makes me very emotional um, when I think about, you know, what they went through, like not just like one set, but several generations of my ancestors for me to live a life that looks so vastly different than theirs did. And, um, you know, part of being grateful for it is making the most of it and um, leaning into every and all opportunity to pursue your dreams and to um, do what's meaningful to you, even if it doesn't make sense to the world around you. So I I completely understand and respect that. Yeah. I am. I actually went to, um, an Akashic Soul Path reading. Have you guys heard of that? Before? I've done Akashic Record no, readings before. What is before. it? Yo, tell me. It, oh my god. Okay, so there's there's this whole idea that um, sort of everything that's happened in the universe and in past lives is part of this like Akashic record. This like this record of, of history from time, basically of everything it's, that's ever happened, ever. Okay, ever. Yeah. To to you to your family to the person across the street to your dog like everything has this like this record and so it's basically a past life reading and so you you go and um my 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 experience was that i went to um this woman's house and um you know she kind of just reads you and like you keep with me, she was kind of like, you know, did you have an intention of being here? And I told her why. And um, she kind of just breaks it all down for you and, and goes back into previous lives and sort of explains how, you know, trauma and feelings that you might feel in this present life is maybe rooted in experiences from several past lives. Mm. Um, what What really got me into it was a, a mutual friend of a friend of mine um 
had been suffering from um, chronic physical stomach pain for, for years. And he had been to like every specialist in Toronto, all over Canada. No one could figure out what it was. And so he went to this woman, this healer, um, just for a simple Reiki session, nothing to do with his stomach pain and stuff. And so it was her first, his, his first time going. And so um, he got a Reiki session. It was amazing. And at the end of it, the healer was like, um, just to let you know, like during my, during the session, the, during this like Reiki session, I was getting um, some like messages from you, for you. Um, and I'm not trying to like upsell you or like hustle you, but if you're open to it, I'd love to share those messages with you. And he was like, okay, like, what are you talking about? And so she was like, one, one thing that really resonates um, when I'm doing, doing energy work on you is that in many past lives ago, you had this like weird stomach problem. And for, for subsequent lives after that, it sort of manifests in physical pain. Not every life, but like in this lifetime, you might experience some physical pain in your stomach. And if you do, this is how you fix it. She had no idea that he was like suffering from this. He's like, what the fuck? And so he did whatever she told him to do and has been pain-free ever since. Okay, so I'm going to need her number. (laughs) Yo, for real. And she also does stuff over FaceTime because with COVID and stuff, she's doing stuff over FaceTime and stuff. I will say that that what was really magical about my experience was that um, she did the Akashic Soul Path reading first. It was like a half-an-hour session. And then whatever comes up in that session she addresses in a Reiki session, like in, in this whole hour-long oh, energy work thing. Wow. Yo, and so when you're talking about like like ancestral roots and power, like I got transported to this like forest and meadow with all my ancestors. What? And it was just like a total emotional catharsis for me. Um, wow. It wasn't sad. It wasn't sad, but like I couldn't stop crying. Um, oh my god oh my god it was was really beautiful and the cool thing is that she records them so you can kind of go back to them whenever you need like affirmations or you just want to kind of revisit what she was saying um but it was like really profound for me because um it really sort of um drove home a lot of things i intuitively have felt in my body for so long like Mm -hmm. this notion of like art being for, for many, for all my ancestors, it being sort of a vehicle for like therapy and like self-expression. And she was also doing this thing when she's like, when she was doing energy work, she was saying that she's like, whenever I put my hands over your body, my, it, my body wants to react by like flowing and like dancing. And she's like, are you a dancer? And I'm like, no, but I, I love dance and body movement. And like the work I do involves dance and body movement. She was like, well, in many of your past lives, like dance has been a really important sort of vehicle for self-expression. Um, wow. Which was like, whoa, holy fuck. Wow. Um, just is little she, things. That, like, is she in Toronto? She's in Scarborough. Okay. You need to, okay. after this. 100%. It's <laughs> because I've, I've given, um, I've given her contact to, to numerous friends after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've all had really profound experiences um one crazy experience was that my friend from india who who um was in town for a bit told her the story and she's like yo this sounds great like let's let's go see her 
Mm-hmm. And so my friend went and, you know, she's used to like these like proper Indian gurus and healers. And, and this woman's Indian. Um, but she was like, mm, like, you're this like Canadian Indian <laughs> woman. Like, what are you, what are you going to teach me that I don't already know? And so she kind of went into it with this like mindset. And um, so she had her Akashic soul path reading. She was like, cool. Like, yeah, all stuff I already knew. And then the Reiki session happened and my friend had her eyes closed and she was getting really fucking annoyed. She's like, why is this person fucking tickling me? Like, I'm not here to be tickled. This is Reiki. And she, so she opened her eyes to be like, yo, what the fuck? And realized that the woman wasn't even touching her. okay like you're the truth oh my god and and so she's been back like two other times subsequently after that because it's crazy yeah i've even taken my parents to see her that's how much okay okay i'm gonna go go and i'm gonna let you know how how it's cool it kind of gives you insight into i I would never fuck with a psychic Mm. i don't want this notion of um someone telling me my future or like them them interpreting my future because I, yeah. I do believe i i totally believe in psychics like yeah that power but um but if someone's going to tell me about my past life and sort of how to right wrongs i've experienced in my past and sort of give context to certain things in my life mm-hmm. i'm totally down for it hmm. yeah i love i i'm very you know it's funny because i wasn't raised religiously Um, so for me, even spirituality, it's something that I'm learning more about as I've gotten older and I've been just trying to figure out, like, I know I believe in a higher power, you know, I just, I haven't fully labeled what it is, but the idea of like past lives and understanding an energy and being very aware of the energy you give out to people, the energy you consume and what you what you engage with that's something that's very makes a lot of sense to me so something like this just sounds so appealing like i i would really love to try it you know it's it's very yeah it's very um yeah i just i just think to me like i always think about it where everything in this world is recycled you know like everything it gets regenerated so why would that not apply with energy why would that not apply with us and and where we've Mm -hmm. been and what we've experienced you know what i mean how would that not i mean isn't it a law of physics that like energy can't be destroyed exactly Right? Exactly. So like you, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not religious at all either. Like my my upbringing wasn't religious. Like my mom's Muslim, my dad's Hindu, mm-hmm. as I mentioned. But growing up, it was a pretty like um, a, a pretty non-religious upbringing. But it's only in my older age and my adulthood that I'm sort of revisiting Hindu concepts of like this idea of like energy exchange and like reincarnation and Mm -hmm. these types of like themes like that that do resonate with me now yeah i think i think you know obviously there's a difference between spirituality and religion but um yeah i think spirituality is like especially for any creative yeah is is important i think yeah it is and it's it's i've really been enjoying building that practice and what that looks like for me and not having had something kind of blanket before I was kind of resentful of my parents for not giving me a religious background because people would say things like just even referencing stuff from the Bible I have no context to understand but now that I'm older and I can define what my relationship to a higher power looks like I think it's I feel a lot of agency in that now you know what I mean I can really find something that I connect with as an individual as a creative as a woman as a black person 
you know so it's an interesting yeah, journey it's a personal I'm on thing, it. right yeah it's very yeah. personal um yeah well Luna, did we want to ask Sammy anything else about his creativity, his practice, his work before we segue into our would you rather questions? I'm kind of excited about would you rather. I think we should go right into that. Okay, Sammy. Now it's time for our super delicious segment where we ask you some would you rather questions. Are you ready? I think so. I'm a bit scared, but <laughs> don't be, don't be. They're so mild. <laughs> yeah, they are mild. <laughs> They're not going to be like the creepy ones. Okay. Um, but we could, we could go down that <laughs> alley. Really yeah, round two. Oh God. Um, so, would you rather never listen to music again or? never watch tv and movies again <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that is just... super tough um fuck i guess never watch tv or movies again wow I, yeah music is just like this notion of not listening to music yeah you know what's really fucked up people that that say they don't listen to music at all so weird. Stay like, away from that. Why? Why? Yeah. Who are you? What yeah, you you're do? a monster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what? I had one of my stepdad's um, friends actually said, "She's like, yeah, I just don't like music." And I was like, "You need to, you need to stop. She can't come here anymore." Yeah. I I love music, but I'm a selective listener, so I have to be in a certain mind state to listen to music. Otherwise, it's just noise to me, even if I like it. And it's like. My brain has to be like, I don't know, operating at level like three or two or something like that for me to like incorporate music into my day or I'm doing a specific task that's like music oriented or like facilitates me listening to music, but I can't always just have music on. Otherwise, I can't think and process things. Mm. That's fair. Yeah, that is fair. It's funny because a lot of people like listen to music while they're working. I watch shows like... Mm. I watch Harry Potter, something that's on a lot when I'm working. Still? I just, Girl, still, you, you rinsed it. You don't understand. I've watched the whole Harry Potter, like all of the movies over 20 times since August. Like yeah. I've, been count- I've been counting. <laughs> Are you good? <laughs> you know what? It is? It's like, it's like a blanket for me. Like I just, it's very comforting, you know, but I also as with this, would you rather question? It's kind of a cheat because if you pick TV and movies, you can listen to music through the shows. That's exactly That's what I was going to say. Um, yeah. Euphoria. Hello. Yeah. yeah Euphoria. <laughs> Euphoria. Hello. Loophole. Okay. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think about right? it that way. Right. But you know, you know, what's me. also my reason also is that there's been so many studies about the power of music and like, and and music's effects on even like um, people with Alzheimer's or people mm-hmm. suffering from dementia and how just the sheer act of listening to music from a certain era of their existence mm-hmm. literally like rewires their brain. So like, I feel like there's so much power in in the act of listening to music that yeah i don't know yeah yeah please don't stop the music (laughs) (laughs) it's like in my head now (laughs) okay so my question would you rather be the star player on a losing basketball team or ride the bench on a winning one 
Ooh. Ride the bench on a winning one. I'm so competitive that mm. <laughs> I think I told you guys this before, but I'm a triple fire sign, so I'm also like super fucking competitive. Okay. And I just hate losing. So <laughs> tell our listeners your chart. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. So he's dangerous. I'm uh I'm an Aries, Sun Moon, and a Sagittarius rising. So. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> triple fire. <laughs> triple fire. I'm like, are you ever settling down? <laughs> I don't think I have that in me. <laughs> <laughs> Your chart says as much. Yeah. Yeah. Luna, my friend Luna, who, who actually told me that, who like read, who did my chart for me, um, when she like kind of realized I was a triple fire sign, she shut her book and was like, okay, everything makes so much sense now. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Luna, what would you pick for that would you rather question? Um, I think I'd be a star player on a losing team. Yeah. yeah. Because if I was good enough, I could get picked up for a better team eventually. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like um big fish, small pond. I'd yeah. rather be a big fish in a small pond than be a little fish in a big pond because if you're a big fish in a small pond, you can get noticed. Oh, you're so right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These questions are very hard. <laughs> I'm thinking about the long game, baby. You are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd pick the same thing. Okay, Muna, you want to ask another one? And then I'll ask and then we'll Um, up. I want to ask a dirty one, but I can't. Why not? I can't. No, the dirty ones I know are like filthy, disgusting. We'd be taken off the air. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather wake up tomorrow with a million dollars in your bank account? Or go back to the age of five with all of the knowledge you have now. Oh, man. (laughs) I I want to say the latter because I'm like, you know, having to relive my life with my adult brain and like having all the knowledge I have seems really enticing, but also like stressful. I'm like, I would rather spend that money on therapy and call it a day. Like, yeah. I don't need to relive shit. Yeah, give me the million. I'll go to Peru, do some ayahuasca. We're good. You know? Yeah. Yeah, let's go yeah. with the million bucks. It seems like if you did it, like, having this knowledge as a five-year-old, like, you'd be able to unpack really traumatic experiences that happened to you that you just didn't even understand when you were a kid. I don't think, but I feel like I would be re-traumatized all over again with my adult brain being like, this is how these bitches are acting. They're supposed to be my parents and they're grown. And meanwhile, my ass is not only five, but five with an adult brain. The fuck? No, no, I don't need to be re-traumatized. Give me a million dollars. Let me go to therapy and watch Oprah. And also to my point doing ayahuasca, because like, when they say that when you do ayahuasca, it's like you kind of relive childhood trauma with your adult brain. Mm. And it's sort of like 20 years of therapy in one ayahuasca session, they say, or something like this. And oh so, gosh. yeah, give me a million dollars. I'll go to the jungle in Peru, hang out there for a month. Come back a million dollars gives you options. Being yeah. five with an adult brain does not. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like also a million dollars is like a lot of money, but like, you know, it's not that like won't even buy you a cute house in Toronto. They'll buy you where they'll where? buy you an alleyway house. Yeah. A laneway where? house. Where? <laughs> where in Toronto? Direct me, please. <laughs> um, okay. 
my question. Okay, so I have two that I'm trying to. Okay. Would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button on your life? These are such good questions. Um, a pause button. Why? <laughs> because I think a pause button would allow me to would allow me time to really process something and think mm-hmm. things through with the right reaction. Whereas a rewind button, I feel like I would just make the same mistake over and over and over and over again. And I'd be stuck in this perpetual loop of like, <laughs> me just fucking up, you know? So I'm going to be like, no regrets. Let's just pause and figure out how to move forward, I think. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, me My too. instinct was just to go rewind because they're like, I want to go back and be like 20 and like be rude to men who I know are going to fuck me over and just fuck them over first and like just like you know turn up a bit and like enjoy my body because like the like I remember being young and like not feeling confident and comfortable in my body and now I look back at it I'm like bitch you were snatched like you should have been in the street in poom poom shorts every fucking day um so I want to go back and enjoy that (laughs) is there a fast forward button though because then you'd have to relive once you're oh, rewound, yeah. Fuck, there to... isn't a fast forward button. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. I didn't think this through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no fast forward button. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I definitely oh, no. I picked pause too for the same reason you said, Sammy. Like I feel like yeah. going back and changing, like just it's like a ripple effect. Like if you do one thing differently, you have no idea how that's gonna impact other things. So you might be like, Oh, I'm gonna do this differently, and then that's the only thing that'll change. But like what if like everything changes? And then it's you're a just domino like, effect. Oh, yeah. domino effect. Then you go back and then you're like, okay, now let's go back again and switch that thing that got affected by that. So yeah. if like, you pause, yeah. it's like less power almost. Because you feel like, like yeah, pause. You know? Yeah. Pause. Yeah. It's fine. Wow. Okay, you guys, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well sammy this was so lovely you're you've, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you um oh, thank, thank you, you for so being much. so like so nice yeah thank, thank you, you for sharing time. sharing that cute little anecdote about the akashic record reader and yeah we're i'll let you yeah, know if you guys go and what that's like yeah, oh, yeah 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 we're gonna go for sure i, I want to hype it up too much but it was pretty profound so <laughs> okay we'll have to look our, uh or like a a debrief afterwards when you yes. guys will see her. Okay. Yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much again for being here. And um, Sammy, where can people find you? Socials, website, all that stuff. How can they learn more about you? Um, yeah, my website's um, sammyrowell.com. And my Instagram is just at sammyrowell. I don't do the Twitter thing or the TikTok thing. <laughs> Such an auntie. <laughs> like, what is all this stuff? <laughs> a lot yeah awesome well thank you again for being here and um have a wonderful rest of the day that was wonderful thank you so much sammy for being on our show such a pleasure to speak with him always um and thank you guys for listening to another episode of the podcast yeah it's been what are we on episode four now it's been i can't count yeah episode four like thank you guys so much for your support it means a lot um but before we head off we have a couple of announcements 
One of which is that on May 13th, we have a new event and Luna is going to talk a little bit more about it. Yes, I'm so excited. So on May 13th, I'm going to be co-hosting our next digital event with Sid Beaumont, and it's all about the art of tattoos. The event itself is called Sacred Skin, Tattoo Artists Redefining Cultural Practices, and we're going to feature two panelists, Alona Fitti, Filipina tattoo artist, and Jana Agnualik, who is an Inuit tattoo artist. So please go on our social media pages. You can check my Instagram. You can check out Collective Culture's Instagram and see the flyer, get more information. And the money that is donated through our ticket sales is going to be going to an amazing organization called Primary Colors. That's all about helping BIPOC and Indigenous um creatives uh, in the art world yeah and all of our tickets are pay what you can so um, we really appreciate the support we've been doing really well with our events and you know it's been great to watch this grow so very excited for this one in may Um, and our second announcement is to please check out the collective culture column in never parts magazine this month features an article written by me about yeah about motherhood um, about intergenerational love and it's really an homage to the women in my life that helped raise me. So very excited for everyone to read it. Um, but yeah, I think that's all for us for announcements. And um, drink your water, stay hydrated, exercise, check in on your loved ones. And we'll ones. see you. N- Sorry. No, it's fine. That That's it. Just check in on your loved one. That's all. We'll see you next month. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Collective Culture Creative Conversations, the podcast, is made possible by Never Apart and Collective Culture. This podcast is produced and researched by Keisha Chung, Muna Traore, and Anna Okoto. It is edited by Anna Okoto. The music you're hearing was made by the lovely Villa Beats. And if you like what you heard today, please rate and subscribe to the show. We appreciate you and your support, and we can't wait to bring you back more episodes. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next month.